Hey, this is Chandler, and welcome to episode 10 of the Stop to Think podcast. This is going to be the first episode in a series of three in which we're going to kind of talk about what I think is some interesting infrastructure. Ha, just from how I introduced that, you're probably thinking about signing off immediately. But I encourage you to stick with me because I think it's going to be pretty interesting. Our three topics for the next three episodes are going to be moon bases, underground cities, and underwater cities. And I think what we'll do is we will start with moon bases for this episode, because I think that that's actually probably closer to reality out of the three types of habitation I just listed, which is really silly when you think about how much easier the latter two would be. But anyway, so moon bases. A few nights ago, I was headed home from work. And I just happened to notice that the moon was still up in the sky. And as I was walking back to my apartment... And looking at the moon, I kind of was just thinking or musing to myself, like, man, how cool would it be if I could see city light structures on the moon? Because at that point, we hadn't quite gotten to a full moon yet. I think full moon is actually going to be in a couple of days. I'd have to check. I don't really keep track of the moon cycles for the most part beyond just occasionally seeing it. But anyway... As I was walking, I could see both the illuminated side and the dark side of the moon simultaneously. Uh, it would have been waxing, whatever the word is. I can't think of it. Right. I can think of it, but I don't think I can pronounce it. So I'm going to spare you guys a butchered pronunciation. But anyway, point is, is that I could see the dark side of the moon. And I would imagine that if we had human settlements up there, that they would have lighting similar to how human settlements have lighting here on earth and for them to be on the dark side a person could most likely see them from earth if they were even remotely sizable the human eye is extremely good at picking up light and considering how close the moon is and how bright city lights are I would think that over time, once you start getting into settlements on the moon that are, you know, probably the size of a medium-sized city, so like maybe thirty to 40,000 people, somewhere, somewhere in that range, at that point, you'd be able to start seeing the settlements from Earth pretty easily, I would think, especially if you have like a telescope or binoculars. I didn't have any of those when I was walking, but as I was thinking about this, it kind of got me thinking about moon bases in general and how our future could be so much more interesting than it currently is. Specifically, I think that moon bases are freaking awesome in every sense of the word. And I think that they're attainable at this point with our current technology. 
I think we could have actually already built a moon base if the funding would have been in the right places. And that's probably one of the main reasons why our space program fizzled as it did after the Apollo days is because of the funding picture. Politicians in general usually lack vision in the right areas and they have the vision in the wrong areas. They can envision worlds in which they control everything and they're basically super important VIP number one de facto leader and all that crap, but they don't do such a good job with envisioning a future that maximizes happiness and success for everyone. If they were good at the latter option, their choices would be drastically different than the choices that they actually end up making. But um, to avoid ragging on politics too much, where I'm headed with this is basically just the statement that we've had the technology for the last like 60 years, maybe. Well, maybe not 60 years. We've had the technology for the last 40 years for sure to where we could feasibly have built a moon base. And the reason we haven't, or the primary reason, well, there's actually like three micro reasons. Micro reason number one is that it's kind of unclear who owns the moon and building a moon base could kind of set up some, we'll say sticky geopolitical situations. That's reason number one. Reason number two is it's kind of dangerous. And then reason number three is not so much that it's expensive because we do expensive stuff all the time, but more so because the, the profit from such an endeavor is undefined. You'll notice that if you look back over society, profit's kind of what drives progress. And countries who try and eliminate profit through socialism or communism or whatever fancyism you want to use really kind of have a hamstring effect on their progress because sure, you can motivate people by like putting a bunch of researches together and trying to like, you know, get them to produce the fruits of their brains together just for the sake of passion and science. But that's only so effective because when you're relying on that kind of system, there's just not enough competition. And you could set it up so there would be competition, but when you take prices out of the equation, you lose the magic of the markets. What's the magic of the markets? Well, what I'm referring to is specifically how market economies can basically predict the exact value of stuff based on pricing and supply and demand automatically. Like it's impossible to figure that out. Well, unless you're super intelligent or something like that, it's impossible to figure that out if you're just a random planner in a boardroom by yourself trying to decide what, what should cost and how things should run. But anyway, 
a moon base could definitely have already happened if the U.S. government would have staked a claim on the moon and basically promised, sold more or less land like they did with the Homestead Act back in the good old beginning days of the country. Like if government started saying that, okay, companies can purchase this land from the government or companies could just have this land and if they go there and claim it, they can do with it whatever they want. Well, all of a sudden, there'd be a massive profit incentive for companies to get at their butts to the moon because the moon, it's been a while since I've looked at lunar geography, but uh, geography, sorry, my bad. It's been it's been a while since I've looked at lunar geography as well. But what I wanted to say is lunar geog- geology. But I vaguely recall from my earth science days that the theory at the time was the moon was composed largely of the same materials that the earth was that the moon most likely formed as a result of a collision by another Mars sized object or something like that with the earth. And so what that basically means is that the moon has the same material composition as the earth does, except it's smaller. So that means that the resources on the moon are going to be a similar composition to the earth, which means that there's marsh, there's lunar gold mines. There's lunar, 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 sorry, mixing my words up here. There's lunar gold mines. There's lunar silver mines. There's lunar iron mines. There's lunar aluminum mines. There's lunar palladium mines. There's lunar platinum mines. The, the moon has all this, um, all these untapped resources. And so if companies were given the ability and the rights to go and tap these resources, that would be a pretty big motivating factor to establish a presence on the moon. Now, the problem with this, of course, is the cost of getting stuff into space. I don't know what it's at right now because SpaceX has been killing it lately. Actually, I can probably search it for you quick. Cost of kilogram to space. Okay. Google says that that I'm seeing a bunch of numbers here. Okay. Uh, This one's from Cora, so I don't know how much you want to how much stake you want to put in it. But what we're seeing here is really no good simple answers. It looks like um, SpaceX currently has a price down to about $1,800 per pound and NASA is about $10,000 per pound. So anyway, sorry for that delay, but that's kind of the biggest problem that companies would face, even if they did have rights to lunar profits or lunar land or whatever. Anything you try and get in space, and I'm guessing it's probably about the same price for return it from space, has a 1800 to $10,000 cost per pound. So that kind of means that if that cost applies for getting stuff back, 
whatever you're getting back to sell on earth has to be worth more than your cost per pound target. And not very many resources are worth more than, you know, like a pound of gold. I wonder what that costs. As you can see, this is why most people do research before they just randomly start talking in podcasts. Kind of dropping the ball there, but I think that um, if I did do a bunch of research before these, it would kind of mess up the conversational aspect of it. So that's kind of why I don't and because I'm lazy. But anyway, that's besides the fact. Cora, once again, is telling me that the cost of gold is about $15,000 per pound, per troy pound. Not sure how that differs too much from a regular pound. So we'll say $15,000 to $19,000. So if there was just blocks of gold up on the moon, it would be profitable to go pick them up and bring them back. But you got to factor in the infrastructure costs and the production costs, aka the extracting the mineral from the planet or the moon in this case, extracting the gold from the moon, refining the gold, and then shipping the gold. And after all that's said and done, you don't end up with a profitable case for getting gold back. So that's, that's a large part of the reason why we don't have moon bases right now is just because the profit incentives for it and the rights to the moon just have not been granted. It's, it doesn't work at this point. As the cost of ferrying cargo to and from space decreases, lunar mining might actually become a profitable industry where it would make sense to mine stuff on the moon and ship it back to earth or maybe manufacture stuff on the moon and ship it back to earth beyond that though i would argue that the u.s made a tragically stupid blunder when we decided to pump the brakes on the apollo program now, it was smart from the perspective that there was a lot of safety concerns that we were overlooking in our ambition to get to the moon. And it's a miracle that um, we didn't have any more major accidents accidents that cost the lives of astronauts beyond the uh, unfortunate fiery capsule incident. But um, safety concerns aside, had America put the pedal to the metal and diverted some of our spending on nuclear warheads to like moon stuff. The payouts to our society, the payouts to America at this point in history would have been so enormous that the full entire scope can't even be understood. So point here being basically that I'm sure as many of you are probably well aware the moon is much smaller than the earth, obviously. I think it's like what? Either a fourth or the size. It's either one fourth or one sixth the size of the earth. I don't remember which one it is exactly. I think it might be. I think Mars might be. Mars might. Uh, we'll, we'll check.
Moon size compared to Earth. Oh, yes. Looks like the moon is a bit more than one-fourth the size of Earth. So my first guess was right. So anyway, the moon is one-fourth the size of Earth, which means it has a drastically smaller gravitational well, which means that anything launched into space from the moon takes an immensely lower amount of energy compared to something launched from the surface of Earth. And so, basically, if the U.S. would have stationed people on the moon and then started manufacturing satellite plants there like basically the the best thing that the u.s could have done is instead of wasting all this time launching satellites from earth they could have set up a satellite factory on the moon manufactured all of our fancy satellites on the moon and then launched them from the moon at a initially higher cost but over time as the infrastructure was built out an increasingly lower cost Until eventually you'd get to modern day times where you could pretty much have like a branch of NASA stationed on the moon where they would build and manufacture all of our like outgoing space probes and all that stuff. And the the size of the rockets, the amount of energy it would take, everything would be drastically lower. And then you could also like... Basically, the, the possibilities are almost endless. And that's, I think, where the future is going to be headed is as humanity hopefully continues not to destroy ourselves and as we get more and more close to a space-faring civilization, it makes the most sense to basically export almost as much of our manufacturing as we possibly can to the moon. Now, sure, manufacturing on Earth will always be cheaper, but if you think about it, on the moon, there's no atmosphere. This is both good and bad. It's bad because, you know, humans need atmosphere to live. We need to breathe and we need pressure because if we don't have pressure, we bloat and die. Not exactly in that way, but it's basically what happens. So on the moon, we don't have an atmosphere. We don't have those options. But the atmosphere is also what carries pollution and transmits pollution. So if we were doing all of our manufacturing on the moon... We wouldn't necessarily need to be very concerned about pollution or carbon emissions or anything like that because we wouldn't need to be worried about global warming on the moon. And we'd probably have to have some care about, like, you know, dumping like radioactive waste on the moon because that'll get through a spacesuit. But for the majority of contaminants, the majority of pollutants, Everywhere on the moon, everyone's wearing a hazmat suit if they're outside and walking because that's what a spacesuit is basically is. It's an enclosed environment that's going to protect you from solar radiation and from like the outside atmosphere. So in term, and from an environmental standpoint, it is by far highly advantageous 
it's a high it's a massive advantage to export outsource as much manufacturing as we possibly could to the moon and then um basically just transport back whatever we want from lunar manufacturing back to earth same goes for resource extraction and mining now we should be using resources on earth but at the same time when we do that it's obviously damaging to the environment to a certain extent especially if companies aren't held to I guess requirements to reclaim areas that they're mining. So every square acre of land on earth kind of has like a certain inborn level of potential to it. Cause there's so many different uses for land. Like you can, you can use land as like habitation space. You can use it as like infrastructure space, energy production space, and then probably most importantly is agricultural space. The moon has far less opportunities for those types of things. Like you can't just take an acre of moon land and plant wheat on it. You'd need to build like a dome farm or something like that to even be able to begin doing something that would be close to lunar farming, I guess. Everything would have to be done indoors where the plants would have atmosphere and all that fun stuff. And then you'd also have the uh, interesting characteristics of the moon to work with because you'd have like a month-long session of daylight, I think is how it works because I'm pretty sure the moon is tidally locked to the earth. Don't remember that once again. It's amazing how much stuff a person forgets, but assuming it is tidally locked, then you have the same face always facing the earth and the sun would just rotate around it. And so you'd basically have like a month long day, which means that crops would have a bunch of natural sunlight. And then as they go through the night side cycle, they would have to have artificial light to continue growing. Which either way, they could just have artificial light the whole entire time because they're going to have to be indoors anyway because there's no way to grow food outside on Mars. Or on the moon, sorry. As you can see, I'm mixing the moon and the Mars up because a lot of the factors that come into play with a moon base actually come into play with a Mars base. If we can reliably get a moon base set up and running and functioning without issues, we can most likely do the same thing on Mars. The only complicating factor is that Mars has a slight bit of atmosphere and it's much further away. But beyond that, the same general principles kind of apply. So, assuming that we've kind of established that it's a good idea to do moon bases from a manufacturing perspective. Because um, easier access to resources no opportunity cost of damaging like environments no major pollution concerns necessarily easy access and getting into space like I, I would think that it's much easier to drop something into the earth's atmosphere and land it than it is to take off from the earth's atmosphere and get into space 
mostly because you can use the atmosphere to provide a lot of your slowing down. Whereas, or that is to say, when you're returning to Earth, the atmosphere helps you because it bleeds off your velocity to allow you to slow down. You don't have to waste delta V to um, slow your um, craft down. You can use atmospheric braking, but when you're trying to take off, that atmosphere fights against you, causing you to need more delta V, need more energy to fight through it and get into space. On the moon, you wouldn't have to worry about the atmosphere, so you just basically need enough energy to escape the gravity well. And then once you do that, you need enough energy to get to Earth, but then once you get to Earth, you basically can just drop your craft into the atmosphere at the right angle and let the heat shielding do the rest. Or maybe we'll have space elevators by then, and you can just park at the elevator and cart off your car, cart off your cargo that way, which would be by far the more elegant and efficient solution. But beyond that, the advantages are almost endless. Easy resource access, limited opportunity cost, um, wide open spaces, easier transmission into space relative to Earth, coolness factor off the charts. But there are obviously a ton of downsides too, which is probably what's keeping this from happening. Most of those downsides being like, you know, the solar radiation problem, the hostile environment problem, the infrastructure problem, the geopolitical problems resulting from trying to build stuff on the moon. All this stuff. And another thing to consider too is on the topic of those geopolitical issues, once we start building moon bases and once the moon bases become sufficiently sized, it would not be crazy to think that in the distant future, there might be moon people who want to be independent from Earth, maybe. It might not happen just because the moon is so close to the Earth, relatively speaking, compared to other astronomical bodies. I think round trip to the moon is a couple days, with current technology at least, which is absurdly long but it's still a heck of a lot shorter than the trip that um it used to take to cross the united states like back in the early days like the 1800s late 1800s i would think that like a railroad trip from new york to say florida in the south would have been a couple of days and obviously the United States functioned as a country at that point still and had enough cohesion to basically maintain being a country. The moon would be a couple of days away too. So it's possible that lunar influence could potentially remain like you could basically have a state like an American state on the moon potentially that would be an option. And I think that the time lag and the communication lag wouldn't be such a big deal that it would still be possible for people, moon people to feel like they're part of America or really any country on the earth. But the same can't be said when you start moving out into like Mars and like 
the moons of Jupiter or Saturn, maybe Ceres. When you start getting out to those places, your travel leg time is like measured in months. And I think like maybe during the uh, early, early days, or not really the early days, during the British Empire days when they discovered the New World, I think a trip to the New World, a trip to the U.S., or the trip to a trip from the U.K., from Britain to America was probably like a month. And they managed to, well, we saw how that ultimately turned out. Britain did not do a very good job of keeping their colonies. So maybe it could be done if you uh, played square with the whole entire taxation representation part. Like, who knows if if Britta had been if Britain had been less jerky about the whole entire Revolutionary War, maybe the United States of America would be just America, part of. Well, I doubt it would still be at this point considering how Canada and the rest of their empire is gone. But my point here is that unless transportation through space drastically increases, it's likely that the moon may potentially always be part of U.S. slash Earth government, but other planets that potentially get colonized, like a Mars base, for instance, might not be capable of staying within the Earth envelope. They might want their independence But yeah, it looks like I'm running out of time in this episode because we try and keep these at about half an hour each. So maybe we might have to do a part two on moon bases. So I think that's what we'll do. So thank you for listening to episode 10 of the Stop to Think podcast. And I'm Chandler and I hope you have a great day. Join me for the next episode when we continue this conversation.